Chapter Four of William Again by Rick Malcompton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: William the Reformer. William's regular attendance at church on Sunday mornings did not betoken any deeply religious feeling on his part. It was rather the result of pressure from without weakly applied and resisted by william with fresh indignation on each occasion his church-going was a point on which his family insisted it was not that they hoped that any real improvement of william would result from it as a matter of fact it generally seemed to have the opposite effect upon him but it meant that those of his family who did not go to church had one morning at least in the sure knowledge that william's strident voice could not dispel their sabbath peace and calm nor could william with his curious genius for such things spring any awkward situation suddenly upon them while those who went to church had the comfortable knowledge that william cowed and brushed and washed and encased in his hated best suit and scowling at the vicar from the front pew could do little harm beside the strange scuffling with his feet that he seemed able to produce without even moving them moreover they knew where he was it was something to know where he was this sunday the usual preliminaries took place i'm not going to church this morning robert happened to say carrying a deck-chair into the garden i'm not either said william as he seized another chair the would-be light finality of his tone did not deceive even himself you must go dear said his mother placidly you know you always do yes but why me and not him demanded william pale with outrage why him not go and me go robert calmly stated his position if william's not going to church i'm going and if william's going to church i'm not all i want is peace i shouldn't make a noise if i stayed at home said william in a tone of righteous indignation at the idea i just sit quietly readin i don't feel like being rough or anything like that i'm not feelin well at all he ended plaintively mr brown came downstairs top-hatted and gloved what's the matter he said william's too ill to go to church said robert in an unfeeling tone of voice william raised his healthy ruddy countenance i'd rather go to church he explained to his father i'm disappointed not to go but i just don't feel well i'm took ill sudden i'll just like to go and lie down quietly out o doors he stipulated hastily i feel if i went to church i might worry everybody with being so ill i feel his pagesian imagination soared aloft on daring wings i feel as if i might die if i went to church this morning feeling so ill as i do now if you're as bad as that mr brown said callously as he brushed his coat i suppose you might as well die in church as anywhere this remark deprived william of the power of speech for some time well he said at last darkly and bitterly i only hope you won't be too sorry afterwards when you think of what you've done i only hope that i only hope that when you think of what you've done afterwards you won't be too sorry when you hurry up dear said his mother patiently don't keep us all waiting sitting between ethel and his mother in the front pew william allowed his thoughts to wander at their own sweet will he found the litany very long and trying. 
its monotony had been relieved only by a choir-boy who occasionally brightened william's existence by putting out his tongue at him from behind the cover of his psalter from that a contest in grimaces had arisen begun furtively but growing reckless in the heat of rivalry till a choirman had intervened by digging the choir-boy from behind while mrs brown leant forward and frowned at william william retired from the contest feeling distinctly exhilarated he considered that most likely he had won the choir-boy could not have capped that last one of his in a half-hearted way he began to listen to the sermon we all owe our duty to others the clergyman was saying we must all try to save others besides ourselves not one of us must rest content till we have recalled from evil ways at least one of those around us how many there are going down the broad path of evil who want just the word to recall them to the path of virtue just the word that the youngest here could say william considered this view he found it distinctly intriguing he had been so frequently urged to reform himself that the appeal had lost its freshness but to reform someone else there was much more sense in that he wouldn't mind doing that his spirits rose he'd rather like to try reforming someone else they stood up for the hymn the choir-boy was singing lustily william caught his eye and began to imitate his more open-mouthed efforts this led to a second contest in grimaces checked for a second time when at its height by the choirman and mrs brown william returned to his meditations yes it would be a noble deed to reform someone else much more interesting and less monotonous and possibly more successful than the reforming of himself hitherto solely enjoined upon him but who that was the question after due consideration that afternoon in the apple tree where william did most of his deep thinking he came to the reluctant conclusion that he must exclude his family from the list of possible reformees this was not because he did not think that his family were in need of reformation it was not because he thought them beyond reformation though he certainly was of that opinion it was rather because he doubted whether any member of his family was sufficiently broad-minded to receive reformation at his hands there is a certain proverb about a prophet in his own country his thoughts wandered over several masters at his school whom he considered to be in crying need of reformation but the same applied to them when finally the tea-bell sounded forth its summons he was still undecided on whom to apply his latent powers of reformation his family who had not passed so peaceful a sunday afternoon for weeks looked at him in curiosity as he entered the dining-room what have you been doing all afternoon dear said his mother solicitously just thinkin said william coldly meditation on his family's need for reformation had made him realize afresh all he suffered at their hands not dead yet said robert jocularly no said william with a quelling glance though any one might be with what i've got to put up with it's a good thing i'm strong he then transferred his attention to a large piece of bread and butter and the conversation drifted away from him idly he listened to it it's so funny ethel his grown-up sister was saying to come to a country place like this and take no part in the life 
he's so mysterious he took beechwood over a month ago and hardly a soul has seen him he never has any one in and he never goes out of course contributed robert with the air of a man of the world a country place like this is an ideal place for murderers or other criminals to hide in that's notorious much safer than london and hardly any one's seen him said ethel what does he look like said william excitedly don't talk with your mouth full said ethel don't listen to their nonsense dear said mrs brown but william was a fire here was someone to be reformed at his very doors no mere ordinary trivial wrongdoer but a murderer a criminal the real thing he was longing to begin he could hardly wait till he had finished his bread and butter may i go mother he said hastily swallowing a quarter of a slice of bread as he spoke you've had no cake dear said his mother in surprise william gave a look of set purposeful determination i don't want cake to-day he said in the voice of one who scornfully waves aside some trifle unworthy of him with that he strode frowning from the room i do hope he's not ill said mrs brown uneasily he's been awfully quiet to-day he's given us the first peaceful sunday we've had for years said ethel it's not over yet said robert in a voice of warning william was already on his way to beechwood in the road he found ginger his bosom friend on weekdays on sundays the two families inspired solely by a selfish desire for peace tried to keep them as far apart as possible sunday said ginger bitterly voicing unconsciously the grievance of the majority of his countrymen there's nothing to do i've jolly well got something to do i can tell you said william in a voice in which mystery and self-importance were mingled ginger brightened let me help he pleaded let me help and i'll give you half the next thing any one gives me suppose it's something you can't make a half of said william guardedly well then i'll let you have it in turn with me said ginger generously fair turns said william rather said ginger all right then said william come on ginger set off happily by his side what are you going to do william he asked william sank his voice mysteriously i'm going to reform william put the accent on the first syllable a murderer make him give up murdering same as what he said in church this morning crikey said ginger impressed they crept in at the open gates of beechwood how you going to begin said ginger in a sibilant whisper dunno yet said william who always trusted to the inspiration of the moment suppose suppose he murders us whispered ginger if he does said william grimly still aggrieved by his family's general attitude to him i know some folks that perhaps be sorry for some things then suddenly he's there said william excitedly look i can see him they crept behind some bushes and watched a man was digging in the middle of the lawn he stood up to his neck in a large hole and was throwing up spadeful after spadeful of earth onto the edge occasionally he stopped to wipe his brow he was a thin youngish man diggin graves for dead folks he's murdered exclaimed william golly breathed ginger his eyes and mouth wide open how you gonna stop him get him in the hole said william and then and then well, i don't know yet he ended uncertainly 
the man bent down for another spadeful come on said william they crept across the lawn and suddenly overturned the heap of fresh dug earth that was on the edge of the hole upon its occupant using feet and hands and head and body it all happened in a second the man up to his neck in the sudden avalanche of damp garden soil looked up at them sputtering anger and earth i say i say you know he said look here william leant over the edge of the hole you just gotter stop it he said fiercely do you see you just gotter stop it the young man gazed at him in amazement he made no effort to rise he lay back on his earthen couch you jolly well winded me you young devil he said still ejecting earth from his mouth as he spoke stop what you know said william mysteriously bending still farther over the edge of the hole you jolly well know doesn't he ginger how you like someone to do it to you murderin you and burying you in back gardens just think o that just think o how you'd like other folk doin it to you for you start doin it to other folks i'll jolly well murder you once i get out o here said the man i'll murder you and bury you ten times over don't you worry about that you oughter reform and start again on the what was it the path of ver, ver vert something now i've told you like what he said it was just a word well i've said the word and you oughter reform and just you wait my son said the young man grimly beginning to unearth himself but ginger had made a discovery look william he said look at this this was a tin containing curious earth-covered coins at the edge of the hole he's a thief too said william indignantly taking folks money as well as burying em he's going right down the broad evil path like what he said well he oughter stop i've said it i've said the word like what he said and he oughter reform and come back to the path of ver, ver what he said the young man was fast unearthing himself he looked a curious sight just you wait he said again as he began to climb out of the hole murder won't be in it instinctively and throwing the zeal of the reformer to the winds william and ginger took to their heels and fled across the lawn down the drive down the road with fleetness of foot gained in many a flight from irate farmers and landowners ginger still hugged to his breast the tin of coins the earthen young man followed leaving a trail of soil as he ran here he shouted bring back that tin here thieves they threw him off at the first turning and made for william's house they fled panting up the drive look out said william breathlessly there's father mr brown putting on his hat in the hall for a quiet evening stroll turned to see his son and his son's friend walking slowly and demurely up the drive the son's friend held an old tin clasped to his breast both were red and breathless in spite of their slow and demure progress mr brown looked at his son with a suspicion born of experience where have you been he said oh just for a walk said william meekly and with wide-eyed appealing innocence the two proceeded towards the stairs where are you going now said mr brown still more suspiciously just up to my room father said william mr brown fastened his stern gaze upon the tin what have you got there he demanded just some old things we found floated in william's dulcet tones from halfway upstairs crumbs said william upstairs i thought he was going to nab us 
my sainted aunt said william's father downstairs that boy's up to something again william's father however soon forgot william it was a perfect evening sabbath calm reigned supreme over the countryside the trees were just beginning to turn from green to gold the bird's song rang through the still evening air as mr brown walked along a sense of peace and well-being descended upon him he completely forgot william then suddenly he turned a bend in the road and saw a curious figure so curious that mr brown pinched himself to make sure he was awake sabbath calm ceased to reign supreme over the countryside and mr brown's sense of peace deserted him the figure was that of a hatless wild-eyed young man covered to the neck in soil and bearing traces of it upon his face i say he began abruptly are you a resident of these parts well, yes admitted mr brown debating in his mind on the safest method of dealing with an escaped lunatic i've been robbed some most valuable coins simply robbed in broad daylight you'd better go to the police about it said mr brown soothingly come with me i'll show you the way he thought the police station the best receptacle for the strange wanderer i've taken beechwood you know went on the excited young man and i'm doing some excavating there on my own i belong to the archaeological society i found traces of roman occupation here i've had some experts down and there's no doubt that there was a roman villa on the site of beechwood i found some most valuable coins this afternoon and i've been robbed of them they're irreplaceable who stole them said mr brown he was rather bored by the whole proceeding he was anxious to deposit the strange young man in the police station and continue his walk mere boys said the young man mere boys they pushed earth in on me and shouted some gibberish and made off with the coins probably some rival collector heard of the thing and sent them probably agreed mr brown without interest well here's the station i'll say good night and good luck he touched his hat and was on the point of proceeding with his walk but the young man was pathetically anxious to confide the whole tale i've really no clue he said sorrowfully the coins were in an old tin simply an old tin well i suppose i'd better go in good night mr brown was standing motionless he seemed to have lost all desire to proceed with his walk his smile had faded from his face he was seeing a sudden vision of two small boys red-faced and breathless but wearing looks of innocence that blazoned guilt far and wide creeping cautiously upstairs one of the boys had held an old tin in his hand simply an old tin he turned to the young man the young man had already reached the door of the police station here shouted mr brown one minute the man turned to him you said boys said mr brown slowly what sort of boys could you describe them well one was freckled said the young man he called the other one ginger mr brown swallowed i think he said that i can help you if you'll come home with me have you got a clue said the young man excitedly i think said mr brown that i have the young man dropping garden soil with every movement upon mrs brown's drawing-room carpet clasped his tin box to his breast william frowning and injured stood before an accusing family circle and defended himself 
well how was i to know i found him digging graves for the folks he'd murdered i was trying to reform him like what he said in church how was i to know that he wasn't digging graves for the folks he'd murdered i wanted to reform someone as he said he said he was a murderer too he as near as near murdered ginger and me how was i to know the young man interrupted with a quick movement and another shower of garden soil, at which Mrs. Brown shut her eyes and breathed an inward prayer. "'Look here,' he said. "'It was all a misunderstanding. I say, suppose you come to tea with me tomorrow, and we bury the hatchet instead of the murdered, eh? I say I'd better go and change, hadn't I?' "'I'll see you down the road,' said Mr. Brown.' the young man went off happily clasping his tin and scattering earth thickly around him the rest of the family turned up to william well you've done it now said ethel i said sunday wasn't over said robert the carpet is simply ruined moaned mrs brown well how was i to know said william desperately it's ever so long after your bedtime william said mrs brown with a sigh he simply trodden the stuff in besides putting it there i advise you to go to bed before father comes back said robert with a superior elder brother air william inwardly agreed there was something to be said for being in bed and asleep when his father came home explanations put off to the following day are apt to lose the keenness of their edge he turned to the door nothing i do ever seems to come out right he said gloomily how was i to know digging away like that i dare say you didn't mean anything dear said mrs brown but it was only new last january william reached the bottom of the staircase then had a sudden thought and returned anyway he said putting his head round the drawing-room door if you hadn't made me go to church when i was feeling so ill i wouldn't have known anything about reforming folks william said mrs brown wearily do go to bed william complied but again only reached the foot of the staircase here another thought struck him and he returned anyway he said putting his head round the door again i bet you wouldn't a gone right up to a murderer digging a grave for the folks he'd murdered and i bet if he'd had been a real murderer and i'd been dead and buried by now you'd be feeling a bit william said mrs brown are you going to bed william again retired this time he got halfway upstairs then a third thought struck him and again he descended anyway he said and his family groaned as the familiar untidy shock of hair and frowning freckled face once more appeared didn't ethel say that he never had folks in and isn't he having me in to tea tomorrow so i bet you can't say i haven't reformed him william said mrs brown are you going to bed william was he had heard the click of the gate at the end of the drive when William's father entered the house three minutes later, William was in bed and asleep. End of chapter 4